I recently attended the evening worship at Hope Central, a United Church of Christ congregation in Jamaica Plain, along with Karen Lynn and Lelena Romero, two of our members of our transformation team here at First Parish. The worship was lovely. My spirit was comforted by the easy energy of song and reflection. During the announcements, Reverend Laura Ruth invited us to some upcoming worship events, including the Hope Central Shrove Tuesday service. Some members of the congregation were going to publicly confess their sins, or the worst ones they wanted to share in church, Reverend Laura Ruth added, winking. I sat up. Members of the congregation were going to publicly confess their sins in worship. The worst ones. What an odd and totally terrifying idea, I thought. But it got me thinking about sin, specifically about sin and our Unitarian Universalist faith. My previous relationships with sin have been quite shaky. And by shaky, I guess I mean non-existent. I've mostly thought about sin as a word that people use to push other people around, to push them out of communities of faith often. For me, sin is the word used to condemn queer people, people who have sex outside of a narrow social construction, people who form their own ethical opinions of the world people like me, and perhaps some of you. So according to some, I am a hopeless sinner and not in the good way. And according to the Unitarian Universalist faith I grew up in, sin was for other religions to deal with. Sin didn't seem very relevant for me. I have many friends, UUs, liberal Christians, Jews, who have come to very different relationships with sin. They find being known as sinners humbling. They find laying bare all their flaws and mistakes in front of their God a liberation. Yet for me, somehow the idea of falling down on my knees as a sinner in front of that great, abundant, wondrous love made my tender gut want to cry out that I've got to get up off my knees in this world before I'm ready to fall on them. So sin and Elizabeth, not on such great terms. But I was curious. Curious about this Shrove Tuesday. Curious, too, because as much as I've been hurt by other people's conceptions of sin, I mess up. We mess up. In Reverend Linda Anderson's words, sometimes we do what is wrong. We feel out of control, helpless. We feel ashamed. The Greek for sin means to miss the mark, to fly right by and land somewhere totally different. 
My colleague and friend, Unitarian Universalist minister, Reverend Eric Wesley, writes that sin is refusing love and ignoring responsibility. Refusing love, ignoring responsibility. Liberation theologian Gustavo Gutierrez, whose work on behalf of the poor in Latin America has revolutionized nations and communities, thinks of sin as historical reality, a breach of the communion of persons with each other, a turning of individuals on themselves. He continues to sin is to refuse to love one's neighbor and therefore, in his language, the Lord, the Lord himself. Sin is a breach of friendship with God and others. And sin is not merely individual. Gutierrez, again, sin is evident in oppressive structures, in the exploitation of humans by humans in the domination and slavery of peoples, races, and social classes. Sin demands radical liberation, which in turn necessarily implies political liberation. And for Walter Rauschenbusch, Baptist minister and champion of the social gospel movement from which we Unitarian Universalists inherit much, sin is selfishness private selfishness, but also public selfishness. These are some understandings of sin I can get behind. Those make sense to me. Sin that has both individual and communal facets. Sin that is at its base a breach of friendship, a turning away from love and the actions that love requires of us. But we can talk about messing up, about failing to answer the call of love, without having to talk about sin. Maybe you have, like I have, been hurt by people flinging the word around with intent to harm. Maybe using the word sin seems harsh, or just theologically complicated, like what about original sin? And we talk about sin, do we have to talk about specific sins, like what's in, what's out? Here's the thing, sin is powerful. The word, the idea has a power. There's a reason I sat straight up when Reverend Laura Wu said that congregants were going to confess sins in church. Sin is useful and important as a word, as part of our theology, because of its power. It has been used to hurt and continues to be used to hurt. May we denounce these uses and hold on to sin itself. Shrove Tuesday, I've learned, is that last Tuesday before Lent, also sometimes known as Fat Tuesday, a day of celebration, pancakes, one last hurrah, and also of penitence, of confessing sins and receiving absolution from them. 
hold on to sin because it speaks to the reality of our lives, the weight of our own mistakes and failures, and to the tragedies of our world. And by going there, by going to that broken part, the part that holds all the times we've totally, utterly missed the mark, the part of us that has sinned, by going there, we can then forgive ourselves and each other and begin again in love. Our communities sin, and we sin in community. Sin is about having language and images strong enough to express the brokenness of our world. It's about having a way to talk about the heartbreaks of our individual lives and the big heart of our wounded world that breaks every day. So let me say this just to be clear. Unitarian Universalist sin is not about guilt. Not about guilt, which doesn't mean that we don't feel guilty. But for me, the purpose of holding on to sin as an idea, as a word, is not to create guilt. It is to be useful. For me, it is useful to say that sexual abuse is sin. Genocide is sin. A gap in resources so vast that thousands die in the agony of starvation so that one may sit all day on a soft cushion eating fried things and watching a glittering screen. That is sin. And it is useful to be able to say that those things are sin. It lets us express all the sadness and despair of when what we do is wrong or when what happens in our world is wrong. It allows us to talk about pain and mistakes and failures and offers a possibility for healing, wholeness, peace. One thing that is true is that sometimes there is no healing, sometimes there is no making whole, and sometimes there is no peace. Sometimes what's done is done and someone's heart may be broken, someone's body may be dead, a community may be destroyed. Sometimes what we do is wrong and sometimes there is nothing to be done. Sometimes that changes over time. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes there is a new possibility. I found a piece of my call to ministry, one of the voices of it, in a place filled with a lot of sinners, in a prison. There is no way around the fact that many of my incarcerated friends and colleagues from the Alternatives to Violence Project, the program that I worked with in state and county correctional facilities, had done many broken things. 
killed people, stolen things, sold many, many drugs. There is also no way around the fact that they had all had broken things done to them, survived random violence, had parents who hurt them, watched friends die young. In this country, we punish people who miss the mark, but only people who miss the mark in very specific ways. We punish them and it's called justice, and I don't think it is, but that's a little bit of a different sermon. When I spent a lot of my weekends hanging out in prison, I learned about something else, something called restorative justice. Restorative justice focuses on the needs of all involved in a situation, the needs of a victim, a perpetrator, the larger affected community, and tries to repair what has been harmed. There is also a movement called transformative justice, which aims not just to put things back how they were, but to change them for the better, often outside of the legal system. Our sins, social and individual, rupture the fabric of our lives and of our communities. But the fabric can be sewn again, sutured, brought together at the seams. It won't be the same. A scar is there. But if we are careful, strong, courageous, we don't run away from the wrong things we've done, we have an opportunity to sew a new pattern, more whole more just than the first. This is how it goes. We confess, we forgive ourselves and each other, and we begin again in love. In communities of Buddhist monks and nuns, there are rules, parajika, which are long and varied. Almost all of the punishments for breaking these rules are connected to community. Infringements tear the fabric of the community and so the consequences only occur within the context of the community. There is no imprisonment, no physical punishment. Confession to one member of the community or the whole is the most common consequence. Expulsion from the community is the consequence for the severest infringements. Let us think about sin as a tear in our community and as an opportunity to sow something stronger, more just. And it's important for me to say that this isn't about apologizing for being human. This isn't about another opportunity for the perfectionists among us to beat ourselves up, for the do-gooders among us to feel guilty. This is about finding ways to put down the burdens of moments that we carry with us, moments of mistakes or messing up that we'd like to put down to let go of. 
This is how it goes. We confess, we forgive, and we begin again in love. We may have missed Shrove Tuesday this year, but let us now sing together a litany of confession and forgiveness. It's number 1037 in your teal hymnal. Reverend Rob Eller Isaacs of Unity Church in St. Paul, Minnesota has written these words that we'll sing together responsively. I'll read a line and then we'll sing together. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love. Yes, let's rise in body or in spirit so we can breathe as we sing. For remaining silent when a single voice would have made a difference. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again For each time that our fears have made us rigid and inaccessible. For each time we have struck out in anger without just cause. For each time that our greed has blinded us to the needs of others. For the selfishness that set us apart and alone. For falling short of the admonitions of the Spirit. For those and for so many acts, both evident and subtle, which have fueled the illusion of separateness. Please be seated. We forgive ourselves, that one is perhaps the hardest, and each other. We begin again in love. If we miss that chance to heal better, to weave the fabric stronger, or to change the pattern into something different, 
into a pattern that supports even more justice. To miss that is also a great loss, a great sin. And to carry all of our misses around us, to let them come between us and in Mary Oliver's words, our one wild and precious life, that is also some kind of sin. Antia Krog is a South African journalist, an Afrikaner who reported on the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. She witnessed testimonies of victims and perpetrators of great violence under Afrikaner apartheid rule. Near the end of her book on the experience, she writes these words to black South Africa, to the future of her country. I am changed forever, I want to say. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. You whom I have wronged, please take me with you. This is one of the most beautiful confessions, asking for forgiveness, beginning again in love that I know. This openness, this invitation, this holy thing can come out of sin. So these three things are true. The first is that we mess up. Our world is broken. The second is that great healing and great justice can come out of sin. And the third is that there is nothing we can do to separate ourselves from great, abundant, wondrous love. So this is my prayer this morning. If the word, the idea of sin is useful for you, if it is useful on your way to knowing all that you are, to finding peace, use it. If sin is useful for you in encountering the many tragedies of our world and finding peace, use it. And if it's not, let it go. Earlier this morning, we sang together, we would be one in living for each other to show to all a new community. In this journey, we sin, and we can confess, and we can forgive ourselves and each other, and we can begin again in love. Amen, and blessed be.